This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hello and welcome to Bookmark This, a Straits Times podcast in which we talk about books and the headlines and recommend you new reads. I'm Olivia Ho, and I'm here today with my co-host To Wen Li. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about two new novels about women in the 1930s and 40s who refused to do what society expected of them. These are Delayed Rays of a Star by Amanda Lee Co. and City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. One is about movie stars, and the other is about the New York theatre scene. So Amanda Lee Co. became a darling of Singapore's literary scene when she won the 2014 Singapore Literature Prize at the tender age of 27, making her the youngest winner at the time. Of course, she's not anymore. That was for short story collection Ministry of Moral Panic. But the late rays of the stars, her first novel, and it's been、um, very wildly anticipated on the international stage. It's a very hard novel to describe. <laughs> it's so hard to pin down. How、I、do、know. you summarize the plot of the late rays of the star? But yeah, why don't you take a stab at it? It's、okay. about three women. Nominally, it's about three women、uh, actresses. Uh, the first of these is Marlene Dietrich, one of the biggest movie stars of all time, famous for her roles in Lola Lola, Shanghai Express.、Uh, and the second is Leni Riefenstahl,、uh, who was a German actress, one of Hitler's darlings in the another big, darling, another darling. She was a propaganda. She made the fam- these famous propagandist Nazi films. Nazi propaganda films.、Right? Yeah, so Triumph of the Triumph of the Will is one. Olympia is another.、Uh, so she's both known for being one of the most technically perfect directors. Directors ever, and、um, oh, one of the very few women directors at the time. But also, she was, you know, allied with the Nazis, and for most of her life, she pretended that she didn't know about the Holocaust. And、um, the third actress is Anna May Wong, who was a pioneer Chinese American actress. So at that time, I, mean, I think no, there were no Chinese American actresses who were making it big in Hollywood.、Uh, she was. She was alongside Dietrich in Shanghai Express, and、uh, so she played these very exoticized sirens, Oriental sirens, Oriental <laughs> sirens. So you know, so she was she, actually from California. She was she born. She was born in Los Angeles. She couldn't speak Mandarin very well.、Um, she her family was from Taishan. They ran a laundry in LA, but because of the racial. Miscegenation laws at the time. The Hays Code forbade mixed race romance from being expressed on screen, so that meant she could never get a leading role because、uh, there was no way they would cast both a Chinese lead male act- actor and actress at the same time. Yeah, there weren't enough Asian leading men to start with. So I mean, and also she couldn't have a romantic scene with an Asian character played by a white actor because that would still go. Which、against. was very、yeah. common because、um, nearly all the Asian roles at the time were whitewashed, and in fact there was this big scandal、um, at the time about in The Good Earth, which she、yes. had been up for, and it was about、um, very poor Chinese people, <laughs> and、uh, she auditioned for the lead role of Olan, but she was passed over for a white. Actress who was、mm. then, you know, yellow-faced to play that role, and、uh, the casting, the notes of the casting director at the time said,、uh, "Too Chinese to play a Chinese、oh、does not fit my idea of what a Chinese person is." Yeah, people yeah. just want to see what they want to see. So anyway, that's. I mean, these are the three main. Women characters and delayed rays of a star. Yes, so it starts on this single point, which is this photo、uh, that was taken in 1928 at the Berlin Press Ball by Alfred Eisenstadt. Who 
you may know him as the photographer who took the famous V-Day at Times Square photo oh, of the kiss yeah. of the the sailor dipping the nurse in, who, you know, is a total stranger to him and mm. kissing her. Because everyone used to think that they were a couple or that there was something. It was, I mean, it's been described as one of the most romantic photos of all time, but actually in reality... It's um, kind of it like sexual harassment. Quite uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyway, that that was what I, that's what Eisenstadt is known for. But he, before he became famous, uh, he was uh, this emerging photographer, and he was working at the Berlin Press Ball. He takes a photo of these three women, as you do at you know these gala events, and um, and they are Reverend Stahl Dietrich and Anna Mae Wong. So at that time, Anna Mae Wong is actually the most famous person in the photo, and now nobody knows who she. Very few people know who she is. I think, and uh, <laughs> she expects the title, right? The late rays of a star. Which star is this? Is this the celestial yeah. body or the or, or Marlena Dietrich? Yeah. Or? So Riefenstahl at this point in the photo, she hasn't picked up a camera before. Uh, Dietrich is, you know, still has yet to audition for Lola Lola, which is the role that makes her famous. Um, so I'm going to read out a part, a scene from the first few pages of the book in which Dietrich sees Anna May Wong for the first time, and she is going to move across the room to her and she's thinking about how she's going to leave her job as a second violinist because she is literally refused to play second fiddle anymore to anyone. The next morning, she tendered her resignation. The manager took her aside. You're one of our better players, he said. I want you to know that. Thank you kindly, Marlena said. Tell me, do you believe in God above? She scooted closer to him. Involuntarily, he squirmed from the unexpected proximity. Yes, she prompted as she blinked up at him. Or no. Why, yes, he stammered. Of course I trust in him, don't you? Alas for me, Marlena said. No. So you see, she added as if for his benefit, if there is neither saviour nor paradise in my world, it would be best to be singular in this life. Best to be singular. Yeah, so, and I think one of the things that I enjoyed most about this book is this um, very artful way that Amanda Lee co-writes in. Um, it's very performative, but at the same time, very fitting of the subject matter, which is, mm. you know, deals so much with glamour, with the cinema, with the kind of um, facades and appearances you put on. Um, and also at the same time, how that, how that's juxtaposed against reality, because a lot of the novel takes place in the aging Dietrich's flat when she's in her eighties and she's refused to be seen by the press anymore because she, um, doesn't want to be photographed when she's, you know, her, her face is sagging and her legs are, she, she's had, she has circulation problems in her legs so she can barely walk. Mm, that's right. Yeah, and, and behind the scenes, I mean, this book paints her as a kind of ogre, right? She's just yeah, she's very bad-tempered, sulky. Like, the worst parts of her diva. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but also, it's so sad because this, you know, um, she was this icon that was immortalized on the screen. And, you know, that image is what will endure of her. But behind the scenes, she's really just falling apart in mm. this really horrible way, you know, this a way that bodies all fall apart due to age. And then she gets these calls from a young man who is, um, who won't tell her his name, but he, he gets her to recite Raina Maria Rilke to her, or um, they talk about German poets, and she calls him Humphrey Bogart. She <laughs> calls him Bogey, because he won't tell her his name. And then she, and then she says of Ingrid Bergman that mm. um, she's boring because she's too real. And then Marlena says, ah, then you understand me perfectly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, I mean, I think later in the book, I, what was it, Lenny Riefenstahl, who yes. said that 
if she wanted to be totally true to life, she would be a stenographer or something along those lines. This idea that you know it's 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 a stylized craft. It's not about being utterly naturalistic. Yeah. So it's a、um, very complex portrait of womanhood.、Um, all of these characters and these three women, they were both pioneers and they were both very problematic. Yeah,、mm. so even Stella, of course, is one of the most problematic figures, and it's actually very,、um, I think, very bold for Manolico to take take her on because I think that's still quite sensitive in certain yes, parts of the world. The interesting thing is, I found because there are a couple of mini chapters where where we get、um, the story told through the the viewpoint of Riefenstahl,、mm-hmm. and I don't think we get them. I don't think we get this from any other character, and I I don't know. I just. Out of all the characters in the book, I found Riefenstahl's voice one of the most relatable. Really? Yeah, which is an achievement. Likable, yeah. <laughs> so because this is a woman who turned a blind eye to people,、um, her car, her extras being sent back to concentration exactly. camps. Exactly. So it's it's quite. I, I guess it's a bit like Satan in Paradise Lost.、Um, one of the more interesting characters, but um, very um, morally. Questionable. Yeah, I mean, morally, she was reprehensible what she did, but you know, at the same time, she made she made very good movies.、Mm. And、uh, so, you know, what do you do with that? You know, can you ever reconcile these two parts of parts of it?、Um, I mean, for myself, the I enjoyed the anime one parts、um, mm. because. Um, you 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 don't hear a lot about anime Wong even now. Like I try to look on YouTube, I can only find like maybe one clip of her from Shanghai Express, which she started with Dietrich, and she's one of the best parts of Shanghai Express. Yeah, but she's also very interesting because in a way she was sort of complicit in her own、um, in the racism that happened in Hollywood.、So、in what she, way was she complicit? So she, she agreed into to play、yeah. all these Orientalized, exoticized sirens, villains, you know, and、uh, that comes back to haunt her later when she goes to China and everyone there just despises her because they're like you, you know, anime Wong strips for white man again on screen,、mm. and、uh, and she is in this place where she belongs neither to America or to China because neither of them really. Wants her, and she sort of fades into obscurity in the end. Though, of course, these are not the only characters in the book. There are. What is another thing that's interesting about the book is that there are these side characters, who、um, range from people like Joseph von Sternberg, who was、um, Dietrich's lover. And the director who lit her the best in most of the films, including Shanghai Express, including Shanghai Express, and Walter Benjamin, who、uh, interviews Anna May Wong. I didn't know this、um, that they actually did do an interview in Berlin. It's fascinating, and and, and yes,、um, she includes in the story、um, part of actually you know the entire article that Walter、um, wrote about Anna May Wong. Right, and it begins with May Wong. The name sounds vibrantly edged. Robust and light, like tiny chopsticks that unfurl into moon-filled scentless blossoms in a cup of tea. So very, very orientalized. Yeah, and she, I think she was both offended but amused by this. And then they apparently they kept a correspondence from、um, in the years after that, in which she would sign herself off orientally, orientally yours. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I like how、um, Aliko picks out these. Moments of serendipity. I think serendipity is very important、mm. to her process, and at, it's at the core of the novel that these things that happen are so miraculous and wonderful that you wouldn't expect them to happen, you know. And、um, 
it goes against all of these, you know, structured narratives that we're conditioned to believe that, you know, things can only go a certain way. There can only be white people, you know, playing things, playing main roles on the screen or uh, women, um, women holding cameras in a certain time of time of the of history. And, and you expect that. But even so, serendipity always proves you wrong. Life tends to be, you know, life can be stranger than fiction. I think Amanda Lee Coe's Delayed Rays of the Star is a really inventive, um, refreshing read. And I, I think I definitely liked it a lot more than her first book, which was Ministry of Moral Panic. Why was that? Well, I, I don't know. I, I felt the first one was a bit too flashy for my taste. Um, I think it's, it's a very subjective thing. Um, the Late Ways of a Star is, is still very performative. It's definitely in step with what she's trying to do with the book. It's about these th- um, three actresses. And I really appreciate how colourful it is as well. It's, um, I mean, the chapter headings are, are really interesting. Maybe oh, the you could try reading headings. up from some of the, the okay, headings. Let's find the some of the chapter headings. The sole proprietor of Madame Bovary in Beijing. The Malayan orangutan has the key to the basement of the Leipzig Zoo. Marlon Brando lays an egg as news of Pearl Harbor reaches a chicken coop in New York. So you kind of approach each chapter wondering when these chapters will crystallize into what's promised in the chapter heading. And they're always very, very small, um, insignificant and Towards moments. the end. Towards the end, and not in the way that you expected. Mm. Like, you know, where where is Marlon Brando going to fa- factor into the whole thing? Why will he lay an egg? Um, but yeah. And uh, so also, we must talk about the side characters. Um, the side mm. characters, there are actually a number of side characters who uh, are in the orbit of these movie stars. stars. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm more interested in the stories of one of some of these side characters. So one of them is this uh, maid called Bebe. Mm, um, Bebe. Either Bebe or Bebe, depending. She says it's Bebe. Depending on where, you know, if Who she's, she's French, introducing herself to. She's French, if she's introducing okay. herself in French or in Chinese. Mm. Uh, so she was, uh, so she's a Chinese, born in China, um, but trafficked to Paris as a, um, and she has to, and she has to. She's forced to in, into prostitution until she escapes, and then you know she becomes a. She claims asylum, becomes a maid to Dietrich, and her story I find is one of the most. Uh, it achieves the most amount of pathos in the book. Like I felt the most for her. She's just this very pure-hearted girl who is stranded in. Paris, but is doing the best that she can, and, and she genuinely cares for Dietrich, even though Dietrich is being an ogre, like you say, to her. <laughs> Lee Cook sort of covers a lot of facets of history in this way. She covers it from the glamorous, uh, cinematic approach, and she covers it from these tiny, nitty gritty details mm. that you know are the stories that people decide not to tell. Mm. And in this way, she brings together a lot of arcs, like um, arcs about immigration about finding one's place in the world and about... Marginalization. Yeah. And how people look at you a certain way because of where you came from and that may not be the way that you turned out. Yeah. Yeah. So now moving on to another story of women living the fast life in days gone by, let's talk about City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert, who we all know for having written Eat, Pray, Love, that memoir about traveling the world to find herself after a painful divorce. So a lot of people love that book. A lot of people also hate that book. Um, and when you came into, did you come into City of Girls thinking of Eat, Pray, Love? Um, yes, that was hanging over 
the novel, but but I I mean I feel people don't give Elizabeth Gilbert enough credit. Mm. She's been described as a a writer of chick lit. People have called her self help guru, and and she is. But but I, I guess in some in some way that does detract from from how seriously people take her work. But she's actually a very skilled storyteller, a very charismatic writer. Um, and yes, I mean it, it's a it was a it was a pretty engaging story. Um, City of Girls. It's it's um, this novel about a young women's adventures in mm. the 1940s um, theater world in, in New York. So it's about this girl um, from a pretty privileged background who moves in with her aunt and um, helps out as a seamstress in her aunt's old theater, her old um, playhouse. One of the things that struck me about this novel was how she tries to portray female sexuality in a way that doesn't end up... Um, devolving into any kind of slut shaming or making or, or, or kind of um punishment yeah exactly which you have seen historically in so many other books from Tess of the D'Urbervilles to I don't know Anna Karenina Anna Karenina Emma Bovary. Bovary and so on yeah so that I, th- I think she did that pretty well and she she does try to flesh out various female friendships in the novel too um I, I think the, the main the main issue I have with this novel even though I did enjoy reading it was that even though it was pleasant I didn't find it very memorable I know I know I know <laughs> I, I know you back to that film because you I mean it's, it's all about fashion right it's it's it's, it's a glamorous world and, and you're and you're a huge um, lover of vintage yes I am susceptible um, to that yeah, exactly but, but I feel I feel it was it was pleasant it was very pleasant reading this book but ultimately I, I felt I didn't really it didn't go deep enough for me. I feel she was trying to tackle issues. She was trying to to talk about female independence, um, sexual assault. I, yeah, ideas of sexuality, um, sexual assault, and so on. But I feel she I feel she didn't she didn't go deep enough into these issues to do justice to them. I mean, fair enough, you don't have to. But I feel um, maybe maybe while at one maybe what I was looking for was a different book, and I'm not the I'm not I'm not the right reader for Gilbert's City of Girls, but. Oh, there's this line in the book where um, somebody criticizes Vivian, the main character. Mm, yeah. She says, "You will never oh, yeah. be an interesting woman." Yes, in and fact. do you feel that that doesn't happen? <laughs> that she doesn't become interesting? Yeah, let me just read out this passage. Okay, basically, it's this um, the seasoned actress called Etna who was um, betrayed by the main character, and she reproaches her afterwards. And she says, um, "The thing that you don't understand about yourself, Vivian, Vivian's the main character, is that you're not an interesting person." You are pretty, yes, but that's only because you are young. The prettiness will soon fade, but you will never be an interesting person. I'm telling you this, Vivian, because I believe you've been laboring under the misconception you are interesting, or that your life has significance. But you are not, and it doesn't. I once thought you had a potential to become an interesting person, but it was incorrect. That was savage, but <laughs> savage. But I suppose, according by your definition, it does come true. She does not become interesting. Well, I mean, interesting is a very subjective label to start with. Yeah. Um, it wasn't interesting enough for me. I thought it was fun. Um, what I liked about it was that it was very big-hearted. Um, mm. It portrayed a lot of different kinds of love, unconventional love, which you uh, so people tend to assume only happened after the 1960s, yeah. but were in fact going on in this historical period. So uh, it portrays a lavender marriage, mm. which is... Um, Love and a marriage at the time was when you would have a man and a woman who were either, at least one of them would be gay and um, they would have relationships outside, but they kept up the marriage for convenience's sake. And everyone was sort of, you know, 
knew that. And there's there are marriages like that portrayed in the book. There are same sex relationships. There are same sex friendships which uh, spill over into relationships, and there are asexual relationships as well, which I think is a very underrepresented part mm. of um, kind of sexuality. And um, so I I like that about the book. I also like that it is it was just. There's this, um, so they put on a play in the book. It's, mm. called, it's called City of Girls, like the title. And uh, it's this big, fluffy, fun <laughs> play. And uh, this theatre critic describes it as clapdoodle. And, you know, I think that's a very good way to describe the book. It is clapdoodle. It is silly and it's fun. And it's, um, you know, if you try to take it too seriously, it will probably fall to pieces. But it's, you know, you just have to, like, let it go. Uh, I don't think she was. She's gonna win any prizes for you know great literature, but it is fun, and I think a lot mm. of women, young women, will probably connect with it. Yeah, I was reading some reviews after I wrote mine, and I think I'm I may be one of the few people who don't really like this book. So I mean, okay. so um, yeah, which is which is interesting too. Yeah, but I do agree that she could have uh, dealt um, particularly with issues of PTSD and sexual violence a lot better. Um, there are scenes of n- not graphic sexual violence, but use is implied. It happens, and it's just kind of shunted around, mm. like she sort she of skirts around. Yeah, she she sort topic. of skirts around it. Um, yeah, and uh, s- scenes of uh, monetary transactions with regards to sex, for mm. instance, which it's is not. Um, she deals with it very lightly, and that I I think that you know she could have delved a little just a little further into I think one of the things that unites the two books is their interest in in a certain era a certain bygone era Mm. the two authors have obviously done their homework done a lot of research but the style of writing in both cases is it doesn't feel it doesn't feel weighed down by all these these bits of historical detail it's very light Mm. eminently readable yeah, and I suppose that is what draws a lot of people to vintage, which is both the element of serendipity and also the chance to take something from this era, which, you know, had all these strictures, had all these rules mm. that you, you know, certain things about sexism or racism that you would rather not have to deal with in the modern day. And you can put your own spin on that and you can prove that in that time there were people who were dealing with it and who were finding ways around it. And, um, you know, not everything is the way that is recorded in the most official kinds of history. There are other histories that you can look at. I think this is all that we have time for today. This has been Olivia Ho. And Towen Lee. And we have been talking about Delayed Race of a Star by Amanda Lee Co. and City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.